I remember them asking me, oh, you know, what, what do you want to be when you grow up? And everybody gets asked that question when they're young. Um, but for me, there were only a few options. It was mm-hmm. like, you're going to be a doctor, a lawyer, or an accountant. I'm Michelle Kwok, co-founder and CEO of Flick, a platform built to merge the gap between female founders looking for helping hands on their businesses and female students who are looking for mentorship. And I did all of those things. I joined all of those things. And I was like, why am I unhappy? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. And that's when I think things shifted for me. Definitely wish that I had figured out that goal or that path myself earlier Mm -hmm. on instead of just kind of accepting what other people told me was right to do. I felt like my identity was so attached to Flick Mm -hmm. and being a founder that I had to re-find kind of who I was, what I felt like my purpose in life and career was going to be outside of being a founder. Well, thank you, Michelle, for coming on the pod. Um, I guess to start us off, I'd love for you to tell me more more about your background, um, where you grew up, what you were like when... You're growing up. I did read a story about your eight year eight eighth birthday. Um yeah. <laughs> that, that I wanna that we'll talk about. But yeah, what were you like growing up? Oh man. Um so you wanna go all all the way from the beginning. Yep. Uh yeah, I mean it's really interesting looking back on my childhood. I've actually done a lot of introspection in the last year mm. and it's crazy to see how different I was as a kid. Yeah. Uh as a kid I was really shy, introverted, but I don't think I was meant to be an introvert. I think Mm. my family really cultivated that for me. Um, They they wanted me to be focused on school, even from a young age. Like I went to two different preschools so that I would have a full day of school starting when I was three years old. I went to two different kindergartens and they were in different places. Like I would go to kindergarten or preschool in the morning. My parents would send me to the next preschool during lunchtime. I would eat lunch in the, in the car. And it it was just, my childhood was very focused around school and being really great in academics. And it made me feel like I had to be a high performer at a young age or my whole life was going to be ruined. Um, And so I think I was an introvert more out of the fact that I didn't have time to hang out with other people because yeah. I, I had a full days of school and then after school I had like tutoring and had to, I learned like French when I was five years old, yeah. you know, it, there were all these things that I was doing and really, really focused on pushing myself and being a really, really high performer. So I, I did everything my parents wanted me to do, yeah. like literally everything. I, I remember them asking me, Oh, you know, wh- what do you want to be when you grow up? And everybody gets asked that question when they're young. Um, But for me, there were only a few options. It was like, you're going to be a doctor, a lawyer, or an accountant. Mm. And I genuinely didn't know there were other jobs out there until I was maybe like 15 or 16 years old. Uh, And my parents uh, were like, well, you really like to help people and you really like to talk to people. Doctor is perfect for you. Yeah. So I was like six or eight years old when it was my birthday and my parents got me my first birthday gifts. Like we don't really do birthdays. Yeah. Um, and it was a stethoscope and a stack of anatomy mm. cards from Barron's. And they were like, happy birthday, Dr. Kwok. Like this is what you're going to be for yeah. the rest of your life. And that was pretty certain. Uh, I had no doubt in my mind that I was going to go to Harvard Med School. You know, like... People would ask me in grade one, what do you want to do? And I was like, Harvard Med School. Mm. And it was so unironic. I was like, genuinely, I'm going to be there. Like, you don't understand. I will do everything in my power to get there. Yeah. And uh, I did do a lot of those things. Like, I started doing international medical research when I was 15 years old. I went to London and did um, research in infectious infectious diseases at Imperial College London, actually at the lab that ended up working on one of the COVID vaccines. Wow. Um, And uh, I I went on to do research in gastroenterology and neuroimaging. Um, And I did everything right. Yeah. Like, I did everything that... I was told to do, but for some reason, in my first year of school, I went to Western University for medical sciences. In my first year of school, I was unhappy. I was like so confused because I'd done everything I was told to do. I took the right path. 
I did all the right things. I, my, uh, in my first year of school, my mom even gave me a list of clubs mm. that I was approved to join wow. that all had to do with medicine. It was yeah. like the medical society, the pre-med society or whatever. Yeah. And I did all of those things. I joined all of those things. Um, and I was like, why am I unhappy? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, and that's when I think things shifted for me. I, I felt really backed into a corner. Medical science was a very, very competitive and very intense program. Yeah. Uh, people got weeded out in the first and the second year. Only in the third year do you really feel safe. Yeah. And so I was really stressed. I was like, I have to stay in this program. I have to get a degree. But at the same time, I don't know if this is what I want to be doing for yeah. with, with the rest of my life. And I made the mistake of also thinking like briefly, I was like, I've spent 17 or 18 years of my life dedicated to medicine. Can I even do anything else? Because I had actually never explored anything else Any before other, that. Yeah. Um, never done anything. Like j actually, if there were opportunities that came my way that didn't have to do with medicine, I would say no immediately because I was like, this isn't going to help me get into Harvard Med yeah. School. <laughs> and yeah. that was my only thought process. Yeah. And then... But then going into second year, I was like, I can't think like that anymore. I have to think about what if I don't become a doctor? What if I actually, that's not my vocation. Yeah. That's not my calling. So I started thinking about more, what are things that have brought me joy yeah. over my life? And kind of like the Marie Kondo way of thinking. Um, what, where can I find joy in my life and where can I just apply that to things that I do every day? Yeah. And that's when I started looking into startups and entrepreneurship and finding young entrepreneurs who are friends uh, and connecting with those people and learning a little bit more about why they went into entrepreneurship yeah. and realizing that this is like a crazy world. Yeah. It's so cool. You can make your dream job, your dream team. Um, you can make your dream impact. You can do whatever you want to do in entrepreneurship and I could I could still apply my learnings from medical sciences, but I could also learn completely different things. And I was connecting with founders and supporting them on their businesses. I started pitching myself to different small companies yeah. and ended up working with uh, one called Hey All Ice Tea. Yeah, that is actually headquartered like two blocks away from here. Okay, wow, I didn't know that. Uh, and and was just like pitching myself working on marketing, working on expanding this small business, Hale IC, across Canada and to campuses uh, across Ontario. And from there, got involved in like building a Gen Z entrepreneurship event series. And I just put my hand in a bunch of different things that were giving me a lot of energy and bringing me a lot of joy. Yeah. Um, and by the time I hit third year, I was like, man, I cannot go to med school. Yeah. Before we before we talk more about that, I do want to take us a little bit back because you shared a lot, and and right now I'm sure people that are listening, um, are are probably in the same situation. There'll be the types of students that sort of have their their lives ahead of them, and they know what they want to do, and they probably think that's that's gonna be their thing. Um, and then there's going to be the types of students that are completely lost and aren't, haven't found that thing that brings them joy. So in your journey, would you say having that discipline and having that, that path set out for you in terms of going to med school, um, how do you, how do you feel about that now that you look back? Hmm. That's a really good question. Cause there are definitely times where I've thought about that. Um, one, I don't think I would be who I am today had I not had that path set out for me mm. a lot because having that path set out for me, I felt like I always had to strive to be a high performer and yeah. a high achiever. Yeah. And so I was, I was like always running to do the next thing yeah. and figure out the next thing. And I, I obviously don't know, but I don't know if I would have had the same drive if I didn't have a goal in mind. Yeah. That being said, I definitely wish that I had figured out that goal or that path myself earlier mm -hmm. on instead of um, just kind of accepting what other people told me was Fair. right to do. So I, I don't think that there is harm mm -hmm. to saying this is my 10-year plan. Yeah. But I think what I wish I had learned a long time ago is 
that 10 year plan can change and it's fine. Yeah. Um, I think even now, you know, I have a 10 year plan for myself now, but now I'm like, if it changes next year, that's, that's cool for me. I really don't mind. But as long as there is a goal that I'm striving towards, I'm always running towards it. Mm -hmm. Then I I know that I'm making steps towards something that's better, something that's bigger, something that's greater. Um, and I, I might have been a little bit more lost if I didn't have right. that goal. I, I can totally understand why people are lost. Uh, but maybe there is something that interests you. And you can say, I wish that, I, I wish that in five years, ten years, I'm going to hit that. Yeah. Um, but don't beat yourself up if you're not going to hit that. Fair. Because uh, like even in my own career journey, I've made ten-year, five-year plans or whatever. And almost none of them have come true, but I'm so happy with it. Yeah. I'm like very happy yeah. that they didn't. And I learned a lot from those experiences. I'm curious to learn more about your relationship with your parents at the time, because I know, and I've heard a lot of stories, like growing up in an Asian household, you do have those expectations because of, I mean, my story, my parents were really pushing me to, you know, pursue education and that's the one way to, I guess, become successful. Like, do well in school. Uh, like, don't think too much about, like, get good grades. Like, do all of that stuff. And that's your way to become successful because that's how they grew up. So I'm curious to learn more in terms of how did you, I guess, deal with those expectations from your parents at the time? And what was going through your head in terms of, like, your relationship with them? Because obviously, they wanted the best for you at the time, right? And and that's why they really pushed you in this, like, medical path. Um but yeah, what was what would you say was like going to your head at the time? Yeah, I think looking it's easier to look back now and realize everything that my parents did was for my own good. Yeah. They want obviously my parents are immigrant parents and a lot of immigrant parents all they want is for their kid to be financially stable. Yeah. And obviously being a doctor is one of those buckets where you're like, "Oh, my child is financially stable. That's going to be fine." Yeah. I think at the time it was hard for me to understand that because the way that I think is what some people might call a bit more westernized because I I grew up in Vancouver. I I was born here. All my friends are from here. Most of them, or if not all of them, were also born here. So for me, the way that I was viewing my life and my career and all those decisions were very much from the lens um, of somebody who grew up in Canada being like, what's going to make me happy? Mm. And, uh, is this something that excites me? Yeah. Is this something that I can see myself doing and smiling every day for yeah. the next 30 years? Yeah. Uh, but that's not the way that a lot of immigrant parents think and uh, not the way that a lot of Asian parents in particular think, which is super fair because the way that they grew up, they were more fighting for stability yeah. and, I was born in, into a life that's much more privileged where I didn't have to like fight for everything every yeah. single day. I wasn't scared that I wasn't going to eat. Yeah. Um, whereas my mom, the way that she grew up is her parents weren't able to afford her education. So she was like, I'm going to have to figure out how to get a scholarship. I'm going to have to figure out a life where I don't feel like I'm having to like fight for every single little thing that I yeah. get. And so I think it was, it's much easier for me to understand that now looking back and looking holistically at the picture versus then being like, why don't you just let me be happy? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think that we have learned from each other over time, uh, especially my parents seeing how much happier I was in entrepreneurship versus coming home crying from my medical science yeah. degree being like, why am I doing this? Yeah. Um, it, it's been amazing to see the transformation that they've made because they're, I mean, they're pretty old. They're like 60 yeah. something. Sorry, mom. Yeah. She's going to be like, no, I'm 29. <laughs> uh, and they've definitely changed their mindset because of the way that I view my career and how I've made decisions over time. Yeah, that's so powerful. And I feel like for someone that's listening and is currently in that situation, like looking back at my, I wish I heard that from someone else and, and like not have all that pressure of like, thinking about keeping up to those expectations or like being set out on this specific path. I know you went to an, uh, an all girls high school and reading your story, it kind of all makes sense. Um, and you do refer to like, uh, how that experience sort of shaped, 
um, everything that happened after. Talk to me more about that. What was your experience like then? Um, and, and what are like some of those takeaways that, that you had from there? Like I said, I was a really shy kind of introverted kid. Yeah. When I was young and um, I went to an all-girls school called Crofton, it honestly changed my life because I don't think that I would have been able to develop the confidence that I did in myself, yeah. in speaking, in being really confident about my ideas um, if I didn't go to that school. They literally like instilled in us every day women can do anything. Yeah. Women can do anything. You can be an entrepreneur, you can be an astronaut, you can be whatever, uh, which I didn't even realize until I went to university that a lot of people didn't believe that mm. in themselves. And I and I was like, always at university, uh, the person who would raise their hand and like talk in class because I, I don't mind. If I'm yeah. wrong, I'm wrong. Yeah. If I'm right, then I'm right. Like whatever. I yeah. don't mind get, getting out there and talking. And I think building that confidence every day, being able to speak for myself and be very confident in my ideas every day and having that validation at school that you can do anything, you can say anything and just like believe in yourself and it, it's all surrounded by positivity. I think that really, really helped me in my journey, especially as an entrepreneur, um, just putting myself out there because yeah. Being an entrepreneur, it's so hard when you don't have a name. Like, obviously, when I was first starting, nobody knew who I was. Yeah. Um, and I definitely could have been, if I if I hadn't gone through all of that, like, learning and training in high school, still been that shy, introverted person that I was yeah. when I was much younger. And it would have been so much harder for me to build a personal brand and get myself out there and just share about my life. Yeah. Um, but turns out, like sharing about my life and sharing my ideas and talking to other people and being unafraid to reach out to people that I might think are a little bit out of my league yeah. in like a career yeah. sense. Uh, that is that was the catalyst for our growth at Flick. Yeah. Um, I, I think I, I definitely owe a lot of who I am now, my personality, um, my the awareness that I have about my own strengths and weaknesses to my experience at my all-girls school yeah no that's so powerful and it's so nice to see how far you've come from there right that but also acknowledging that 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 high school experience really shaped you and made you believe who you are and and hence why flick eventually and and the things that that you guys went on to do so now you're in university or in this period of the story that i talk about you were in university um you i know you had this interest in like travel videos and uh you had a drone i think you were filming like summer yeah. camp <laughs> um and and then you reached out to you started like reaching out to more uh startups and stuff to to pitch for them talk to me about your university experience now that you did have this realization that you want to explore other paths um a lot of people can have those realizations but i guess wouldn't necessarily act upon them um so at what point did you i guess start uh, reaching out and, and exploring all these other options? I feel like there was a moment where I was in my medical science degree and I was doing like decently well, Yeah, but I wasn't happy. And in high school, grades used to make me, this is so bad, mm. but grades used to make me very happy mm. in high school. It was like, oh, I got a 95. Okay, I'm happy. Yeah. Um, but for some reason in university, it did not translate that way. Like I would get a, like a, I got like a 98 on my first physics exam and I wasn't even that happy. Yeah. I was like, I didn't even love doing this. and I didn't love getting this result. Yeah. Uh, and I think it was like the first time that I realized that numbers shouldn't be what validates Days. my happiness. Yeah. yeah. And it was such a, it's such a stupid thing to think about now because my grades don't, matter like literally uh, nobody yeah. cared nobody's ever gonna ask me for my report card ever yeah. again but i felt like i grew up in this in in this like bubble where everybody asks about your grades and that's how you value yourself and people will be like oh i'm not that smart and it's only because they they were they got a b versus an a and it's crazy like I, i've met people who weren't very who weren't very successful traditionally in school but are very, very successful in life. Yeah. And so it was these moments where what used to make me happy didn't make me happy anymore. And I started more and more feeling like I was backed into kind of a corner. Like I need to figure out a way out of this. I need yeah. to 
find a way back to the happiness that I used to feel. Um, and I think part of my high school experience was very wide ranging. It was, it wasn't like I was only studying sciences. I was also playing basketball and volleyball and field hockey and like running track, yeah. but also like participating in all United Nations yeah. and debate or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, and I had a very like wide ranging experience, which I lost when I went to university because mm. the program was so intense and it was only focused on medical sciences. So I was like, this is the first time in my life that I've been so narrowed. I need to figure out a way out of this. Uh, and it, the reason why I acted on it was because I genuinely felt like I had no other choice. Mm. I was like, if I don't do something about this now, this is this might be the rest of my life, and I can't do that. Yeah. Um, and so from there, I like you said, I started reaching out to different startups. I was like, startups are always in need of helping hands. Um, maybe I can offer some sort of skill, like what's my foot in the door skill. And I had started making travel videos. Like my family, my family loves to travel and like learn about history. And yeah. so every time we would go traveling, I started, I picked up a camera. Like I, I was, a, I was a summer camp counselor mm. and I used all the money <laughs> that I made, um, by being a summer camp counselor to buy a camera and yeah. a drone. And my parents were so mad. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, there's so many other things, things you could you use your money for. Yeah. But I was like, it's my money. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so I bought a camera. I, I bought a drone. I started making little videos. I put together like a little port portfolio. Yeah. Uh, I didn't even know what portfolio meant. Nice. I just kind of just <laughs> called it a portfolio. And I started sending it to these startups. I was like, what is the value I can offer them? I can Maybe I can start off just making some free videos for yeah. them. And so I, I started doing that with Hey All Ice Tea. And they were really impressed and they were like, maybe you should help us build out the student ambassador network that we were thinking about doing. Yeah. Um, you can like throw more parties and yeah. and shoot videos. And it was so fun. Like exactly, I, was, yeah. I was throwing like the biggest parties on campus. Yeah. I was shooting the videos for them. I, I could give out drink tickets. Yeah. Uh, and then I got referred to Bumble because Bumble was building out their student ambassador program across colleges in, yeah. in Canada. Unfortunately, Bumble Canada um, shut down during COVID, but that was an amazing experience because beyond making videos and throwing these events they also were like pitch us anything yeah um and that kind of gave me the first like little confidence of being an entrepreneur because i i pitched them this like gen z entrepreneurship series that my friend was running and yeah. i was a, a part of it was in san francisco and i was like since we're trying to target more female founders and working with them we're going to be working with a lot of young female founders at this event are you interested in sponsoring it and they're like, yeah, like yeah. we'll give you X amount of money to do it and yeah. we'll send you there. Uh, and I got to do that with Bumble and work on their marketing strategy even beyond even beyond college and got a lot of got a, a great amount of confidence there. Um, just because I was like so low on the totem pole. Yeah. But they were still like, you should you should give us ideas. And yeah. if the ideas are great, we'll give you the money for it. Yeah. Um and, and so all of these little experiences, building out this entrepreneurship series, working with Hale, working with Bumble, working with startups along the way. I worked with St Sam Park, who yeah. I think is on the podcast yeah. as well, uh, and learned a lot from him, um, just like working on marketing strategies for different different uh, businesses in Vancouver. I was just like, this is so cool. Yeah. And everything that I was doing was so fun and so interesting. Um, I started realizing that I was getting so much more energy from everything that had nothing to do with academics. Yeah. I loved university for everything that wasn't school. Cool. It was people. Yeah, yeah. The people like building out events, building out these conferences, sponsoring the conferences, like working with different clubs. Yeah. Uh, and that was like, the foundation of entrepreneurship. Yeah. That was the foundation of what I ended up doing. I realized that I loved being a community builder, a community connector yeah. and, and helping people and figuring out how I could use the resources that I had to support them in their own missions. Um, and so slowly but surely I was like, I'm going to have to tell my parents I can't do the MCAT. Yeah. I can't go to med school. Yeah. Um, which was like probably the hardest thing that I've ever done. Yeah. Um, but realizing that where I was getting my energy from, where I was getting my source of happiness from, that could be a career was crazy. Yeah. I, that was like the biggest thing for me. Yeah. 
thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you're enjoying that bit of the podcast. I was hoping if you can potentially leave a review or subscribe to the YouTube channel if you're listening on YouTube. It would honestly mean the world and this will help us to reach to more people and have that impact that we want to have. Thank you. So I think at this point of your story where we realize that, okay, you're getting most of your joy and energy from doing all these other things um, and it wasn't related to, I guess, med school. Um, I know there was a point where you had to have that conversation with your parents um, and you also had to, I guess, have a conversation with like your academic advisor and talk about like changing your degree. Talk to me about that story and, and how tough that conversation was and, and how you're feeling. This is a great story. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, uh, so I ended up in third year, I was in um, my medical science integrated medical science i think this was called program i like didn't even know what my degree was called yeah. i'm uh but i was in this specific integrated medical sciences program i think there were like 150 people in my program mm. or something yeah and my parents were proud they're like yes you made it you didn't get weeded out yeah but third year was the year that i was certain I couldn't go to med school. So I ended up applying to this program called Next 36. Yeah. And so they choose 36 young founders across Canada um, out of like 900 to 1,000 applications or something like that. And you get brought to Toronto. You all live together. You co-work together. You learn about entrepreneurship, how to become an entrepreneur. You learn all these things together. Um, they invest in you. They help develop you as a young founder. I thought this program was super cool and just... It, it worked with my life plan. It was like, if I'm going to go into entrepreneurship, I need some structure. Yeah. Um, and I knew my parents would need some structure too. Yeah. Yeah. This was like, I was like dropping a bomb on them. Um, and I, d I wasn't sure if I was going to get into this program, but mm. I remember I was like sitting in my micro immunology class yeah. and I get this email and I got into the program and I, literally right when I got in, I just looked at my friends. I was like sitting with two of my friends and I was like, I'm not coming back to school next year. <laughs> I'm going to go to this program. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. And apparently I just left the classroom Whoa. after that. I like don't remember it so clearly, but yeah. both of them very clearly still tell me about the story. And they're and like, wow. they thought in that moment that I was crazy. They thought that I was dropping out of school, school. for like a random thing. Yeah. And um, I didn't even know, uh, but they ended up like wanting to have an, they wanted to have an intervention for me or something because wow. they were so stressed. <laughs> Concerned, yeah. Apparently I was like very sus about it. <laughs> and I was like, I just got into this program. I'm dropping out of school. school. Bye. <laughs> and, uh, and it's funny, like one of the girls who wanted to do the intervention, she's my roommate now. She's actually in med school. Wow. <laughs> um, uh, and then right immediately then, I left the classroom. I went to academic advising to the um, to the advi advising center or whatever. And I was like, I need to speak to the academic advisor. Yeah. And they're like, we have 15 minutes left. <laughs> you, yeah. you, we're about to close. And yeah. I was like, I can do with 15 yeah. minutes. Like, I'm coming in. Yeah. I, I went in and I just sat down and I was like, I can't next year yeah. i cannot come back yeah um i'm getting into the, i got into this founders program for like young founders in toronto it's called next 36 i don't think i can come back to school next year can we figure something out i think i can get a three-year degree and she was like what <laughs> <laughs> yeah she was like you just got into this like integrated medical science yeah. program she was like are you not doing well in school or something? She's like, looks at my grades. I'm like, no, it's, I'm doing fine. She's like, you're doing really well. You could stay in school. Yeah. And I was like, no, you don't understand. I need to do this. And so she was trying to, for the next 10 minutes, she was like trying to convince me to stay. And I was like, not, have, not having it. Um, and at the end of it, she was like, okay, fine. And she switched my degree. Then I realized I hadn't told my parents yet. Oh. <laughs> then I texted. So you made, oh my God, you did, you, you made that decision without, okay. Wow. I was just so certain. Yeah. Like, you don't even understand. I got the email and I knew what I had to do. I had like five steps in my mind and I did them. Yeah. And then I walk out of academic advising. I text my parents. I text my parents a list. I'm like, one, 
I got into this program. It's called Next 36. Check it out here. Um, people from like Harvard, Penn, Yale get into this program. Yeah. And even if they don't become founders out of it, they go work at Facebook, Google. People are fine Yeah, this program. Two, I switched my degree. I'm not going back to school next year. Yeah. <laughs> Three, I'm not taking the MCAT and I'm not going to med school. Um, and it was like literally a list. And they texted back, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, and they were so mad. I ended up flying home the next week to talk to my parents for a yeah. week. And um, it was just like, I had already accepted the Next 36 program. This was the, I think this was the, a major point in my life because it was the first time that I was making a decision for myself by myself. Where a lot of Asian families, and we're still like this, are very collective with our decisions. Yeah. Like my brother recently switched his job and we had a long family discussion about it. Yeah. It's just like very classic Asian culture. And it was the first time that I'd done something like this, like gone rogue, yeah. as they say. And uh, my and I think my parents knew once I got home that I wasn't changing my mind, that I had to do this. And so they finally gave me their blessing. And it worked out, but it was like a tumultuous, chaotic time. Yeah, no, that's a lot. I feel like, well, I'm in, I'm in third year right now and I've been having this conversation myself and I've been trying to figure out like what's next for me. And it's interesting, or I guess it's, it's, it's nice to see that you are so certain in yourself and your abilities to take this leap of faith on yourself and, and you knew what you wanted to do that you made that decision and, and it all did work out, you know? So, um, I'm thanks for sharing that. I, I appreciate it. What I would add though, is it wasn't an impulsive decision where I think a lot of people in my life thought it was very mm. impulsive. Um, I had started, I'd built out a portfolio pretty yeah. much proving to myself that I could do something like this, like working with Bumble, working with Hey All, working with all these startups yeah. before I made the decision to yeah. jump. I I think I was so certain and so quick to make the decision because all of these factors had been piled up in my mind up to this point. I had proof, basically like- Proof of proof, concept, yeah. Yeah, I was just yeah. going to say, it, my proof of concept was that I'd done all these things and I was pretty successful in doing these, albeit small things, yeah. but they were like little MVPs yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that I made along the way. Uh, and- it, it it was more of a mental game of for myself being someone who is very enraptured in structure mm. and knowing what was happening over the next few years. It was more like a battle with myself over time of, do I do this? Do I do this crazy thing? Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, it, it worked out, but I, but I, just like want to remind everyone it's not it wasn't crazy yeah impulsive. it's just it not like, like an overnight thing no it wasn't, for sure it wasn't no. it was like building over time and i think that's that's valuable that you say that because a lot of people be like oh i'm just gonna drop out of school and yeah. like do this thing but no like you definitely have to there's a long period of time where you have to try all these different things whilst doing school and and whilst figuring things out and once you do see like okay this is for you and you have uh that that's success and that mvp and and everything that you talked about that then you can fully be confident that okay now i'm gonna take this next step so i think that's that's super valuable um you do get into next 36 and that is where you met your co-founder i know you guys are roommates um i think i when i read your story you talk about like initially both of you didn't even talk to each other uh, talk to me about that experience like next 36 um what it was like with your roommate um and yeah and eventually how this this idea came about of like next 36 was crazy it was my first kind of traditional entrepreneurship business experience yeah. i had only done medical science prior to that so it was so different it was like working on cases and learning about strategy and learning about accounting and yeah. all of these things that I'd, and, and specifically accounting for entrepreneurship, yeah. like strategy for entre entrepreneurship, econ economics for entrepreneurship. It was very, very tailored, I guess. Very yeah. tailored, but also very intense. Mm. And most other people had gone to business school before or had a degree in comp sci. Yeah. And so I was like freaking out. I was like, I'm the only, me and Ravina, who ended up being my co-founder, 
we both did science degrees. So I definitely had the imposter syndrome of, I don't belong here. Um, I don't know really what's going on. <laughs> and yeah. everybody else seems like they know what's going on. Yeah. And they've been to business school. They've done this networking thing. They've done all these things. And the first month was really hard for me because it was a lot of myself telling myself that I didn't know what was happening. Mm. Um, and what I learned, what I ended up like learning was that actually most people didn't really know what was going on, but they just acted like they did. Yeah. And that's Uh, usually the case in like different, all scenarios. Like it's always like that. Yeah. But I feel like I wasn't, I, I, I didn't grow up doing that or feeling that way it was more when i felt like i knew most of everything that i was very confident Mm. and turns out most of our cohort were male um most of the mentors that we had access to were male and i was like i need a female perspective here so on my birthday at next 36 i had like a major mental breakdown i was like literally crying all day (laughs) and i don't cry very often so this was crazy and i like couldn't stop crying but what it ended up being was that i would just didn't feel like i fit in i didn't feel like there was anybody that i could look up to that i was like do you that i could be you one day um and i didn't really know how to process that so i just cried all day and ravina who ended up being my roommate she, this is the first time we had like a meaningful conversation where she just like, we left class. She took me back to my room and she was like, why are you crying? And I was like, I just don't belong. And she was like, oh my gosh, I feel the same same way. (laughs) And we were like, why haven't we talked about this? And she's like, why don't we were just talking? We were like, why don't we just talk to female leaders and just connect with them, ask them for advice. But we were like, nobody's going to just say yes to these random girls. Yeah. Um, so why don't we instead start a company, <laughs> make it like a media interview company yeah. and shoot out these invites to people saying that we'll connect with them, we'll interview them, but we also want to share their story, which we genuinely did want to do yeah. because like I said, there weren't that many stories out there. There weren't that many people that we could connect to. Yeah. We were like, I'm sure other people are feeling the same way as us. Yeah. Why don't we share some stories of these amazing female leaders so that other people can learn about them? Yeah. So that's where Flex started. Uh, it was just this, this idea that there weren't enough female leaders for us to learn from, to connect with. Yeah. How can we do that? And how can we expose those leaders to other young women around the world who also aren't able to connect with them? Yeah, that's so powerful. I think you didn't mention Ravina got you food for your birthday. Which, oh, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. I heard yeah. that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's definitely like how we show love to each other. Yeah. We'll send each other food. Yeah. And yeah, on my birthday, I was like crying in bed and she was like, I brought you um food. Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I think, no, it's it's so powerful that that you'd been roommates with this person for like over a month and, and you got to have that conversation coincidentally on your birthday and 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 then you guys actually act upon it and and figure out ways where you can actually meet some of these founders, uh, people in the startup space, like people that you'd actually look up to. And and that's where I guess Flick started. Um, now you've done these interviews. I know um, when you guys got into League of Innovators, that was also a, a big like turning point and, and where um, I guess Flick, I guess actualized from, I guess from interviews to, to more than just like a media company. Um, talk to me about that transition and, and now that you had all these interviews, you met all these cool founders, what were you guys thinking then, I guess? Uh, we, we started building a community just because people were feeling the same way that we did. They were Mm. like, oh my gosh, these people are so cool. I didn't know that women could be these cool entrepreneurs. Some people were like, I didn't know women could be entrepreneurs in the first place. And now maybe I want to be one. Um, And we started getting a lot of messages from the students being like, how can I meet people like this? And then when we met with the female leaders, a lot of them were like, oh, I'd love to mentor young women. I'm always excited to meet them. Um, And so we're like, I guess these two sides are kind of looking for each other. Maybe we can transition. It was kind of like learning what our audience needed as we kept on building. Yeah. Because we were so open to people talking to us. I would respond to every single message when I had time. Yeah. 
And uh, so we started transitioning Flick from this media company into the portal that it became. Yeah. Um, a, a platform where female leaders and female students or female learners could connect through career experiences. Yeah. Because female students were always looking for opportunities like the ones that I'd found myself when I was younger, trying to connect with startups, learning a lot more, even if you have no experience. Just like jumping in, getting mentored by an amazing founder and just like offering a helping hand wherever you could. And that's how I built my portfolio. And actually, even to this day, I'm still getting like testimonials from people being like, oh my gosh, this, that, that was amazing. That's how I built my portfolio. I was playing basketball at the Richmond Oval the other day and um, the, a girl on the other team was like, are you Michelle Kwok? And I was like, yeah, why? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. What did I do? Yeah. And she was like, oh, Flick actually changed my life. I've been following you for a long time. There was no other way that I could build my portfolio, no other way that I could figure out like what I wanted to do next in my career. And I got to meet two amazing female founders that I still stay in touch with, and now I started my career off of Flick. Oh. Uh, and so it, it was like something that Ravina and I wished that we had when we were younger, um, you don't know how many LinkedIn DMs I had to send to people for people to say yes to me to even like help them on their businesses. Yeah. So it was definitely a huge transformative time. And it, it wasn't something that we went into Flick thinking we're going to build this thing. Mm -hmm. It just, it honestly just kind of happened because of this need that we saw. Yeah, no, that's powerful. And it's in those moments and I've had experiences like that where someone's like, Yo, like I know you, like I've seen your work. I've been following you for so long, and 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 I look up to you. And it's in those moments where you're like, shit, like this actually mattered. And 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 I don't know, it comes like full circle in its in its own sense. So that is so powerful. I think in terms of how you guys manage to to have that impact, you're able to understand the needs of your audience, and then and and the needs of different founders, and sort of bridge that gap, which I yeah. which I thought was powerful. Just a quick one. If you see value in this conversation, I want to take this further and introduce you our weekly newsletter. The goal of the newsletter is to provide resources, opportunities, and show you guys some of the behind the scenes stuff that we have. So if this is of your interest and you want to gain more value from the podcast, I recommend using the link in the description to subscribe to our newsletter. Thank you. I'm curious to learn more about your relationship with Ravina, your co-founder. I know you talk a lot about her story and and how you guys have had like a lot of similarities, but also like very different. And I don't know, you guys complement each other in, in different ways. Um, curious to learn more about your relationship with her now, working with her, um, building Flick to what it, what it is. Um, and yeah, just curious to learn more about that because I feel like finding that co-founder is, is sometimes very difficult. Um, but yeah, what was, what's that like? Um, it was so necessary. I don't think I'll ever build a company again without a co-founder. Yeah. Uh, in those, especially in the beginning where there's times where I was like, are we the right people to be doing this? Is this right? What are we even doing? Yeah. She would be like, no, you're killing it. You're awesome. Like, yeah. let's go. Yeah. And then there were times where she was feeling that way and I'd be that person for her. Um, I, I think it was great that we were both extroverted at this point and always there because we were such a community-led company that we always had to be out there talking to people, connecting with people. And that was amazing. But there's also the part of me where I love chasing ideas. I'm like, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Yeah. And she would be like, okay, or <laughs> let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I definitely needed that from her. She was so, so, so detail oriented, kept everything like on the right path going and I w I'm like this is so me but I'm like running around everywhere being like let's let's do all these yeah. things and like talk to all these people yeah um and so I think it was just like a perfect pairing at that point for yeah. what we needed for that company at the time and we're still best friends like we <laughs> travel together all the time yeah. she's coming um right before christmas to vancouver to come and visit and we're doing like a secret santa yeah <laughs> um we 
we joke now because in the first month of living together, we didn't talk to each other at all. And now she's like, can't imagine life without us together. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and obviously, I think I think that's so powerful because, yeah, like clearly you guys compliment each other a lot in that sense. And and I don't know, I feel like those that relationship building a company and going through this whole journey together is, is so powerful. Um, Flick went on to have like over well, 8,000 applications, 55 plus countries. Um, yeah, I think almost 15,000 15, um, in over 70 countries around the world. Okay. Yeah. You see, my numbers aren't even updated, but, <laughs> but obviously you managed to grow that big and have that huge impact what does that mean to you? And you also talk about this idea of being community-led and building a community. What does what does that mean? I, I, I think that it to me it wasn't as much the number that mattered. Mm. Um, it was all those moments, like I was saying before, where somebody would message me and be like, you changed my life. Yeah. And I wouldn't have been able to do X, Y, Z thing without you or without this, or not me, but like the company and yeah. without our platform um, and the community that we built. I think it was just those like moments where it, even if we had, let's say like 500 people, but I got the same amount of messages of people being like, you changed my life. Um, I, I think that would have been enough of a reason to build what we built. Uh, even if we changed like a few people's lives, I think what we were doing is building something that we wish that we had when we were younger. And we built something that was a, a po like created a positive impact mm. on the world. And that's all we set out to do at the beginning. We weren't like, let's start this huge company. It was like, let's just do something that we think is going to bring some good and see what happens. Yeah. Um, in terms of the community, uh, it, I think it was just really built around women supporting women and everybody was rallying around that idea. The founders were super interested in working with the younger, uh, with the younger students and supporting them on their journeys. And I thought that that was like so beautiful where they, so many of the founders would come to me being like, I didn't have a female mentor when I was, yeah. when I was younger and I went through so many things that I didn't know how to handle. And it, it took me like 10 years to figure it out. Mm. And now it makes me happy that I can impart that wisdom onto somebody else that I can see myself in. Yeah. Um, and they won't have to go through all those barriers and take another 10 years to figure that out. Yeah. So I just think it is like those stories and those moments of magic um, that really kept us going and kept us believing in this community and what we were building. Yeah, that's powerful. I feel like, I think, as you mentioned, that those moments and and the whole idea of like women empowering women, I think it's it's so strong. If there's, I guess, a young woman girl that's listening right now, what what would you say to them um, as they're like trying to figure out their journey? Find people who are like you or people that you want to be, and don't be afraid. Honestly, we reached out to people. We reached out to like Ariana Huffington when we were yeah. nothing. Yeah. And she responded to our email. Yeah. It's like you don't realize how powerful it is to be in a community like this where if people can see something in you, which a lot of the time women want to help other women because they're like, you are exactly where I was. And I wish that I had somebody who just like put their hand down and pulled me up. Um, I, my, I think my biggest advice is just be unafraid to ask for help or ask for advice from people as long as, long as you're prepared. Yeah, you know? yeah. um, but people want to help you. People want to help you. Yeah, I think I, I completely agree. I'm curious to learn more about, we do talk about this idea of women empowering women. Um, but we also live in a time where, as a man, I feel like we do have some role to play in in the whole woman empowerment space, and that's why a lot of the work that I do is is thinking about what our role as allies um, or as men are in the society. In the society, um, we do in a, live in a time where I guess like there's all these conversations of like toxic masculinity and what it like what it's like to be a man. What does what do your relationships look like with women? Um, what are your thoughts on that? 
um and what role do you think like men have to play in in i guess empowering others yeah i mean it, the reality of it is most of the uh, positions of leadership now in tech in big firms are still held by men yeah and so if you find yourself in these positions of power be like how many people here are speaking for women at the table yeah um are we l allowing the women to speak at the table if they are sitting at the table or are are they sitting there as a token yeah i think it's just like these moments where you find yourselves in positions of power and stepping back and thinking how am i able to amplify their voice and not speaking for them but being like oh let's say uh, I think Michelle would have a really great view on this. We should let her speak. Yeah. It's like very simple things that women really notice uh, and men can do it so easily yeah. because a lot of the time you have more of the floor, just the way that reality is right now. Um, how can you yield the floor to women? Exactly. That whole idea of like creating space and like in like acknowledging first how much space you do have in a room or in these positions of power and and then creating that space and not necessarily talking for them, but as as you say, like giving them that platform mm -hmm. um, and giving them like not not to tokenize, but to simply give them positions. No, genuinely be like exactly. she genuinely has a great voice. Exactly. On this. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and yeah, not like in a token decision. way. Yeah. But it's like there's so many women who are experts in their field yeah. and yet don't have the floor to speak. So if they're an expert, let them speak. You know? Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think a lot of my work over the last few years has, has been thinking about that because I do work in a predominantly like female-led space. And and for me, it's like, what, what role do I have to play? And I think it's so valuable that you say that as, yeah, we do live in a time of social media and like Andrew Tate and all these different conversations I had of like what it what it is to be a man and what our role is. So I'm, I'm glad that you share that. Um, I'm going to put my business hat on and I'm curious to learn more because I've never fully figured out what your business model was as like Flick. Um, I, I don't know if you had like one specific revenue stream. I know you guys had your platform, but what was like the business model like? Yeah, so the founders would pay a membership fee to be part of our platform and community. We offered a lot of startup resources to founders. Yeah. We partnered with a platform called Built First that offered over $300,000 in startup resources to founders. Nice. Um, and we would like build out founder events and a lot of that. So even beyond the platform, we really wanted to focus on supporting female founders and yeah. and uh, and and doing that in however way we can, even like opening up office hours on, on our side yeah. and, and connecting. We, we would like open up VC, we would partner with VCs and open up office hours with VCs. Nice. So we really built like a female founder community uh, and a, a resource led community there. And so founders would pay $50 a month to be part of our community. Nice. Um, and that was mainly what we worked with on top of like sponsorships. for. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's pretty cool. I mean, yeah, I, di I didn't know that. I didn't know how, how, I guess, the business side of things actually worked. Um, you guys obviously did eventually get acquired um, and you had that exit. At what point, like, talk to me more about, like, that decision-making process and at what point, like, what does that process even look like of uh, exiting? Yeah, like I said, we built Flick not realizing that we were going to need to build it for so many people. Yeah. Um, and so the product was honestly built for like a few hundred people. Mm. And inherently, Ravina and I aren't product people. So we were like, either we're going to need to fundraise or we're going to have to find a different way to build out this product mm. and have the expertise to build it out the right way for our community. And just so happened, right when we were going into fundraising conversations, we got two offers of acquisition. And so then we were like, okay, we really have to figure out are we going to go through with acquisition or are we going to go through with fundraising? Mm. Um, and we took like a couple of weeks to think about it. Uh, and for us, like I said, we're not product people. So we were like, either we go through fundraising and we have to figure out how to build this product on our own or we partner with somebody who's very product focused. Yeah. And so we ended up going with one of our, he, he was one of our um, advisors and mentors uh, who runs a product studio 
And we were like, perfect. Perfect, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and he really, really wanted to continue building out our vision exactly how we were thinking about it. Yeah. Um, kept us on as advisors and partners. So it, it, it just ended up being like yeah. very serendipitous, I think. Fair. Um, no, I think it's it's interesting that you mentioned that because a lot of people are probably at that point where they have to make that decision of like fundraising versus um, like think about acquisition as, as some sort of exit. And it's it's interesting that you mentioned it. Were there moments where like, I guess you, because a lot of people, like there's so many questions you ask yourself, right? Because from what it sounds like, like Flick was, I guess you were like first baby or at least that's mm-hmm. how I look at yeah. like my, my own like nonprofit um like what was going through your head when i guess you guys had to make that decision was it tough was it was it easy? like what was that? Like? it was tough yeah, yeah. It, for sure flick always will be my baby and yeah i think i'm still attached to it in very in a ton of ways yeah. i mean people still recognize me from it yeah like i was in the line at the club in new york and somebody was like are you michelle from flick <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like that was like two months ago yeah um i just it, it's always gonna be a part of me no matter what happens. So yeah, it was, it was tough um, for sure. I think a really hard part of it also was that I felt like my identity was so attached to Flick and being a founder that I had to refine kind of who I was, what I felt like my purpose in life and career was going to be outside of being a founder um, or especially the founder, specifically the founder of Flick. Uh, And it was... It was one of those decisions that I took two weeks off of electronics to make. I was like, what does this mean? What does this mean for me? What does this mean for the company? What does this mean for the community? What does this mean for our team? And figuring out all of those pieces and how those pieces would align with one another. But I never regretted the decision. I think we made the right decision. And uh, it, it was more of like a personal thing, I think, that we were like, this is going to be hard because it's this thing that we built and we put l- literally blood, sweat, and tears into it. Like, yeah. I probably did bleed for it. Yeah. You know? um, uh, but ultimately, we built something that we were extremely proud of and something that I, I hope will be still part of my legacy for days to come. I mean, it is clearly like like you hear these stories of people still recognizing you and saying that 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 they've, that impact has been there and that's that's what legacy is um i'm curious to learn post that post acquisition um obviously you said you went through this whole journey of thinking about purpose thinking about what is who am i apart from the founder um and 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 being part of like i am personally i guess in that phase i've been running my nonprofit five years being able to have that impact and for me, I'm really starting to think about who am I now, now that I've, I've reached a certain point, I'm thinking of ways to, to explore other opportunities, I would say. Talk to me how you, I guess, went through that process and, and decided to like move uh, forward. No, I hate the idea of moving on. I talk about this idea of moving forward, but yeah, how did you move forward from there? I think I was really tired at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> And so I didn't really think about it too hard at the beginning. Um, and then I ended up joining On Deck, which is a, like a startup community. Yeah. They, they were really aligned with my own mission of supporting founders, especially yeah. like underrepresented founders. Um, and so I joined On Deck at first to try to stay in the startup sphere, but figure out what I wanted to do in the startup sphere. And while I was at On Deck, uh, I got a lot of visibility across how to build a, a Series A startup or yeah. Series B startup, which was really, really cool. Um, but while I was there, I got connected to this guy who used to be the chief product officer of Tinder. His name's Ravi. Yeah. Um, he started a company which was formerly known as Scale Hire. We re- recently rebranded to Outpace. Yeah. And it was like, 
I saw the passion right away. He was like obsessed with what he was building. Um, we're building like a one-to-one guided learning marketplace yeah. that matches mid, kind of like mid to senior level tech executives with executive coaches, but democratizing access to yeah. that. So making the pricing more accessible, um, making the coaches people who are, have actually been there, done that, have mm-hmm. been in situations that you want to be in, like VP of Google, VP of Netflix. Mm type of people and he was so passionate about it he was like i want to help people like personalize their career plans figure out faster what they want to do where they want to do what they uh, who they want to be doing it with and that was like a spark in me again i was like oh my gosh i used to do something like that too yeah maybe i should go down this route so i joined them as their as their first hire head of community growth and um started to find my stride again I feel like in purpose and career, like I think it was interesting because I wasn't a founder anymore, but I was part of a founding team. Yeah. So I also had a lot of voice in what they were building. Yeah. Um, but on top of that, I was like doing something that I felt like was do- get- offering a positive yeah. impact every day. And I feel like everybody throws out the word positive impact. Um, and it, for me, it's not like I could do anything that has positive impact. Like I, I realized that I can't do something unless I'm actually obsessed with it. Mm. And Outpace was amazing because I already knew that I want to be helping people furthering their personal goals, their career goals. Yeah. Like That's something that I had always tried to work on for myself. And I would not be where I am today if I didn't make those decisions for myself to pursue what I actually want to be doing. Yeah. So that's part of what I'm really interested in. And I started to find that stride again, even if I'm not a founder, as long as I'm working towards something that I feel like is making a positive impact in a way that I think I can bring value to, that's interesting to me. Um, And moving forward from that also is, I do love being a founder. Like I do love starting new things and creating new things. And so recently I started a project with a couple of my friends, actually one of them, was a CTO at Flick and it's not out yet. It probably won't be out for a few months to come. Yeah. Um, but a sneak peek of it is it's called bonfire. Uh, and it's, uh, like a meaningful shared moment globally every day. Mm. So every day you will receive, um, what will send you, uh, an interesting prompt. It's more of like an introspective prompt once yeah. a day and the world answers it once a day. Wow. Uh, and w- you'll get matched into a one-to-one chat with, with someone anonymously, nice. but you'll also be able to see anonymously everybody who's answered their, their prompt, prompt um, yeah. in the global feed and see who, just see what other people around the world are thinking. And the idea behind it is that we want to be building something that connects humanity. Like people are so dispersed right now. And even though there's social media, uh, you don't use social media to, to, to connect with people from around the world that you've never met before. Yeah. So we got stuck in these bubbles with the, this like assumption that we know about the world. Yeah. But we really don't. We don't know about people's actual experiences around the world and how can we facilitate that more and have more understanding. Like there's humanity has become so divisive over the last couple of years. The team and I, um, shout out to Jeremy and Jordan, if you're out there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the team and I were thinking, how do we bring people together and have more of a human understanding of what everybody's going through and why they're going through it? Yeah. Uh, so that's the, that's the next project. Um, you can... Wait, can I, can I, can I look up my, I need to look up the handle. Yeah. <laughs> Please that. follow us. Adam. What's the handle? Oh. Please follow us at, uh, <laughs> it's at to the bonfire, T-O, like to the bonfire on all platforms. Uh, and it's going to be to the bonfire.com. Wow. I can't wait. I'm excited. That sounds so cool. I feel like... I think it's dope. And I think it's like going... I think it's a a cool idea that will move forward the mission of like helping everyone get to a better place and more positivity and more understanding. Uh, Our mission is really just to like connect humanity. I feel like 
now more than ever like that's what we need right as you mentioned like with social media we're all in this all the different bubbles everyone's so polarized everyone has all these different opinions like but yeah when we're on social media like we truly don't fully connect with people and their experiences and i think that's so powerful i guess looking back at your story if there's one thing that's consistent throughout is that thing when you say when you're eight years old like changing the world and doing something positive right and i hope so <laughs> yeah and and from your story you can definitely see that i know something you mentioned is for you it's all about working towards that bigger purpose and and leaving that legacy which i think is so powerful what would you say that that purpose or legacy i guess looks like or, or what do you envision it to be i think it's really simple it's that um I've I've left a positive mark on somebody's life. Yeah. Powerful. And I, and 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 I think you you continuously work towards doing that and and clearly from everything that you have achieved, I mean, you have been able to do that and I'm hoping that this conversation um inspires others to do the same and and find out what that purpose is. Um we are all, almost towards the end. Um I guess the last question I have for you is the podcast is meant to inspire young people um that do have a passion or do have something that they want to explore to really not wait until tomorrow cuz my grade 3 teacher said tomorrow never comes um what advice would you have for for that young person that's that's still trying to i guess figure it out and is is going on that journey uh my my advice i always give is just like build something mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be huge. It can be like I the first thing I built was uh I was like 15. I made like a bake sale yeah. for to to help raise funds for these kids in China to go to university. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be crazy. Like I literally just got like 15 people together to bake cookies and um I sold them outside of a bank. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like and that taught me so many things it, like taught me how to bring something together from 0 to 1 yeah. um and it taught me that i can make a positive impact no matter how old i am and you can do anything you can do anything from putting together a bake sale or like a lemonade sale yeah. to starting an app but i i think you're not going to learn anything if you just like sit there and think oh i hope that i'll figure it out yeah um pick one thing. It doesn't have to be something that you do for the rest of your life. I think that's like such an archaic idea that you're going to do something for like 30 or 40 years yeah. of your life. Uh just pick something that brings you joy and see what can you build out of that. It can be literally anything and just start and you'll learn so much from it. That's powerful. I yeah, I mean, I think I completely agree with that. I think that's the best way to go about it cuz a lot of the times like most people have all these ideas and and just think about it and be like oh like something big and major will happen in my life and that's when i will i guess make that move or or start that thing and people are always like maybe i'll do it after university or after my first job and and then that time never really comes right so i think that is so powerful just building something and going for it i think um that's so valuable thank you so much i think this was so inspiring and and i've definitely been following your work for like the longest time uh when i moved here i think i was in one of my classes and someone did mention flick um <laughs> and they're like i'm applying for an apprenticeship with uh through flick and i'm like i think i know who the founder is or i like follow her on instagram um so i was like wow like it's at that time i didn't know i'd be having this conversation with you so it's crazy how how it all kind of worked out but um thank you for everything that you've done and i'm looking forward to your new venture and everything that's that's ahead of you and i'll definitely be like following everything thank you thanks for having me i'm excited too i just so you guys know it's not it might not be out yet <laughs> this yeah. is november right now and yeah <laughs> it's going to be in january um but like follow us yeah <laughs> get on yeah. the waitlist follow me on linkedin <laughs> i hope you are as inspired by this conversation as i was If you'd like to follow our journey and learn more about some of the other episode, I encourage all of you to check out our social media platforms at Leaders of Today Pod. That is at Leaders of Today Pod. 
before we end i want to remind you that as young people we're not only the leaders of tomorrow but we're the leaders of today <laughs>